Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. But right now, if you have questions, concerns, or comments about all this rain or anything else in your landscape... 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, ideas, or whatever it happens to be. And Brian. Yo. Uh, how about storm damage to you and your house? In the- I don't think we got anything too bad. Really? Uh, you know, I, I actually was I got kind of lucky because I didn't leave right as the storm was hitting Thursday night, and it was crazy down here downtown. I don't remember... You know, usually you get the heavy rain and the really strong winds, and they last about 10 or 15 minutes. Right. This lasted a long time. You aren't kidding. It was, yeah. like, kind of wild and scary. How about, uh, you know, coming in, did you see a bunch of trees knocked down? No. Really? Uh, down at our place, it wasn't too bad, although I did see where in Waterloo a building got hit on the south side of town, uh, some damage to a large shed at a business there. Oh, really? Uh, on the way in this morning, it was a lot of what I, I guess you would call heat lightning in the old days, you know, the lightning <laughs> that was farther away and you could see the light. Right. And so I knew it was coming and I got here just ahead of the down. It was funny because we just got on the air at five o'clock and it's like, oh, look out the window now. And it was really coming down. It was crazy. And then about an hour and a half, two hours ago, we saw a lightning bolt that hit. It looked like over in maybe the Tower Grove area, maybe a little bit near uh, Kings Highway, you know, Forest Park area. Mm-hmm. Boy, a lightning bolt. It just Big, it was pretty cool, but I wouldn't have been under it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get up at five on Saturday, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, consequently, I thought, oh my god, because that's when it was really starting yeah. to downpour. I thought, I don't want to have to go out of my good gardening stroll in this kind of rain. Mm, no, so. it'll be your good gardening row, right? You know? Exactly. <laughs> well, great, thanks. You bet. It is Saturday morning, folks, and we get together and have a discussion about what's impacting your landscape. And uh, do you want to have to do anything with your houseplants? I put my uh, houseplants outside, and I set them where I knew they were going to get a little bit sunburned, and they did. And so I'm just going to see how quickly the foliage is going to return. I always just like to play around with the plant material. Do you need to improve your soils? Not while it's this wet, so don't go out there and do any kind of digging or anything else. How about shearing, pruning, bugs, diseases? And uh, the information I'll share with you hopefully will help you orchestrate a, and solidify your options with the final judgment of the action you're going to take on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me over into your home, car, or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is James. He's producing today. 
I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation, and I call it a walk and talk. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. If you just put in MikeMillerDesigns.com, the information will come up, and I have my email address and phone number right there. And I can be reached. So, well, anyway, let's get moving. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 636-861-3344. That storm on Thursday was unbelievable. And Tracy was looking at the Internet, and there was a shot of a street very near where we live, Bates and Arundis. And, uh, I mean, the water was several feet deep. It was up uh, just above somebody's uh, ankle, not ankles, above his knees. And there was cars and everything else. And this is an area that I go to. I walk down that way a lot. And also I take a lot of good gardening strolls there. This is where the Holly Hills Community Garden is located. And uh, it's brought to you by Gateway Greening and the St. Louis uh, or the Holly Hills Improvement Association. And it is a low wet spot. I mean, the water came down, obviously, from Grand, from the east side towards this area, and then from the west side, from Gravoy all the way down. And, I mean, it was unbelievable. So I thought I'd head down there and just kind of check it out and see if there was any residuals of this flooding that happened. Actually, there was hardly any, none. In the stormwater intakes, there's one in the street, and then there's one also in the garden area, and they're connected, I'm sure. But there's nothing obvious. That you're not going to see damage due to rains or flooding or anything else really quickly. So the redbud trees and all the other varieties of deciduous trees surrounding the perimeter, they still all look good. Everything really looked pretty darn good. Individual plots were still intact. The shed and the seating area, the, the picnic table, Still in good shape. Uh, neighboring houses and, biz- and businesses, there's no visible signs of what there was at three-plus feet of water. The homes that were sitting close by, hmm, nothing either. The lawn area and the garden space, well, <laughs> I can't tell anything was there before, like as far as water. It's just a mixture of greens, and uh, it was just kind of totally wild. I thought there would be some residuals from the flooding waters, but there wasn't anything. I don't know if somebody got out yesterday and picked up any kind of debris, but there was very little. The only sign that there was any kind of, you know, rainfall was the fact that there was puddles. And puddles are just kind of that's what normally happens in the rain situation. So the intersection of Arundes and Bates, I mean, that picture was like, yikes. I couldn't believe it. And uh I'm sure the people living down there couldn't believe it either. So anyway, that's where I took the good gardening stroll today. So if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Live and local, this is St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Yes, folks, it is wet outside, but if you have questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Storm damage, too. You better watch out because it may not be real obvious to you that you've got some broken branches that are just kind of hanging there. And if we get another strong wind today, they may be coming toppling down. And so just 
I mean, getting a regular tree service to come out and take a look is going to be really important. Let's head over to Ann's yard first. Hi, Ann. How are you? Hi, Mike. I need to ask a question. Even though I put pre-emergion down, I have some patches of clover. What is a safe product to use to kill clover without killing my grass? Uh, basically, there's uh, you can try a broadleaf, like a weed-be-gone type thing, but it's probably not going to be strong enough. The clover, is a clover mixed in with your lawn, or is it just big clumps of it? Uh, it's kind of mixed in with the lawn. Well, no, there's, no, I would say there's more like clumps of it. Yeah, then I would probably go after it with Roundup, to be honest. And Roundup's not going to kill my grass? Well, I mean, if you spray it onto your grass, yes, but I mean... Just stay in the center where the clover is and go okay. after the main core of the clover. And then okay. on the perimeter, then you can use a weed be gone to try to you know f- get the final, let's say, okay. kill on the clover. So if it's mixed in with, if I have some that's mixed in with the grass, I need to use weed be gone. Otherwise, right, I can exactly. Try to Give it a try. And probably what I would do is to make it so the herbicide's absorbed in quicker. Well, d- no herbicides when the weather's like this at all. I mean, don't bother because it's a waste of time, money, and everything dry, else. Right. But okay. just, you know, stomp on it or, you know, run your mower over it and cut, you know, cut it, make some wounds on it. And that do that right before you put the herbicide down because those open oh. wounds are going to absorb the herbicide much quicker than if you just leave everything as is. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go from Ann's yard over to Kay's yard. Hi, Kay. Hi, Mike. I have a question about daisies. Um, I, they're up about knee high or maybe a little taller. I have never cut them back after they've bloomed. I just let them go. And But I've seen other people in their yards, they, are, they last a lot longer. I don't know if, if I should cut them back after the, when the, the blooms start to fade. Well, cutting them back is not going to necessarily make the flowers. I mean, you're cutting off the flowers anyway, so it's not going to extend the bloom period. And generally, depending upon the variety, a lot of them don't. They have one flush of flowers, and then the rest of the year they're just green foliage. Wheat, I mean leaves, okay. not weeds. But uh, okay. So okay. there's not really too much you can do. It's related to more so variety-wise than anything else. And just generally the daisies are not really rebloomers for the most part. Okay, that's what I needed to know. I thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Fred's yard. Hi, Fred. Hello, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, um, so um, I, I want to cut back my Japanese maple because it's getting long. Uh, it's getting leggy, I guess you'd say, long. Um, is this a good time to do that? Uh, it's not the ideal time. Uh, I'd wait for another month or so until we get more in the summertime. And you'll see things on the Internet that say maples should be pruned during dormance period. But I think, uh, you know, over the years, you know, my experience has been maples, beeches, and burst trees. Summertime is the best time to do the pruning on those. So wait until we get into more, you know, more of the warmer weather than what we're having. Okay. And uh, what in terms of a tree service, how, um, I, I know you you can't advertise a, a good tree service, but should I get a couple of different estimates? Uh, it wouldn't hurt. I mean, uh-huh. just make sure the people that are coming out are licensed arborists. That is what's crucial because uh-huh. arborists have specific training related to it rather than just somebody that, well, you know, I always cut the trees down when I was a kid, and then, or I always cut the branches off, and or whatever it happens to be. But just make sure that they are arborists. Okay. 
And then one more question. We have a smoke bush that is just getting out of hand. It's 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 really nice. It's big. It's about seven feet tall now, but uh, I don't know how to trim it. Uh, I don't want to cut, you know, all the nice foliage, the brown maroon foliage. Right. Uh, what, what's your suggestion on that? Well, if you're trying to bring down the, the plant just kind of in general, probably what I would do is just selectively take out some of the stems coming up out of the ground. So in other words, like maybe a third or 25% of them and cut them down pretty low and then let the new growth regenerate from that spot. Okay. And, and just let it grow, let the, the current growth go. Right. And then just over a period of time, just, you know, do the 25% over a series of years, and then finally you'll get it back to, you know, I mean, to a size that you think is more reasonable. But, you know, this is what happens with a lot of plant material. We don't anticipate mature sizes, and then it becomes really problematic aesthetically or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. No, I was re- I, I, I Googled it, and uh, they they recommended. I, I guess it's in the winter to cut it almost all the way down to the to the to the root. Yeah, but uh, you could cut something. Like I said, twenty five percent of the stems coming up. I'm assuming it doesn't have a single trunk. It has it's multi trunked or multi stemmed. That's right. Yeah, and so by doing that, you're still you're still you know, keeping the foliage and everything else and the buds that will be the foliage, for, you know, for the future, you'll still have some of those there. If you cut it all down at once, it's going to be sort of dead-looking sticks for, yeah. you know, yeah. for quite a while. Okay, okay. And then I can just uh, the, um, shape the top of it? Right. Okay. Just, Thank you for your for your advice. Sure. Just you know, minimize the amount of you know, leave plenty of there, even though you don't like the height of it right now. Those leaves for the future. That's where plants make food to keep it healthy, the root system and the new growth and everything else. So if the leaves are all eliminated, then chlorophyll is not going to be made, and it could lead to the more or less downhill turn of your smoke bush just in general. Okay. All right. Thank you, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Mm-hmm. Now let's head over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Yeah, I I think I've talked to you before. How do you feel about using horticultural vinegar uh, for uh, plant control? I have a rock garden that uh, I've been using it on, and I find horticultural vinegar really works great. You treat it in the morning, and by afternoon, it's dead. Yeah, I mean, organic products are, are, you know, really quite good. There's no getting around it. So if you've had effective control of what you're trying to, you know, use it for, that's perfect. Yeah, there there doesn't seem to be any uh, lingering after effects. It only affects the plants you spray it on, and I don't think it hurts anything in the soil. Right. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't mention, you know, necessarily the organic products just in general when I give people advice. It's just, you know, the products that I use more consistently, that's the ones that I, you know, bring up to answer people's questions. So now let's head over to Denny's yard. Hi, Denny. Hey, Mike. I just want to know, is it too late to trim back my Hughes bushes? Uh, You're getting to the point where, you know, cutting them off, that's, you know, that's not necessarily a problem, but what happens is the tips that you've cut off, 
have actually shadowed some of the needles and everything else. So then when the sun you know, gets really intense again, you may end up with some sunburn on them. So, yeah, I would say it's probably too late. I'd say leave them alone until we come out of summertime, sometime September all the way up and through, uh, you know, until the, like the 1st of March. That's probably when I would recommend doing the pruning as opposed to trying to do it now. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's just strictly an aesthetic thing. The sunburning on the needles won't really hurt it overall. But, again, when you're cutting it back, just like with the gentleman with the smoke bush, just watch out how much you cut back because with the ewes, as you look into the center of them, they don't have any needles towards the middle of it. So, consequently, when you do prune, make sure that there's plenty of needles still left. And you think, well, I wanted to cut it back. It was It's five feet, and I want to get it back to three feet. You can't do that aesthetically you know, in one major cut. So you're going to have to do it over a series of years. And now let's go over to George's yard. Hi, George. Oh. Hey, Mike. Hey, I got a real quick question. Uh, I've got three Alberta spruces that are probably, I don't know, maybe eight, nine foot tall. So I guess being that they only grow, what, about an inch or two a year? Right. And you know what? It's kind of weird because two of them, there's another growth that's it's like another tree that's growing like right next to them. I don't know if it's coming out, I doubt if it's coming out of the same trunk, but it looks like a spruce tree with completely different needles. And we didn't plant and we didn't looks like a Christmas tree. Looks like a fir <laughs> I don't yeah. No, in fact my tree man said, Well, did you plant those? I said, No, we never planted them. And both of them there's three of them, like I said, and there's two of them that it looks like a Christmas tree. Like a spruce tree, not even an Alberta spruce. <laughs> well, you know, I know it, it's a little tough for you know to, for me to guess, but Alberta spruce are really not grafted trees. That usually that kind of circumstance usually happens when the root system and the above ground growth are you know two separate plants, and so you're getting growth off the old root system. That would be probably you know my guess just in general. But uh, overall, it's a little bit tough to tell why this is happening. And I'm assuming that, uh, I mean, potentially, it's just, it has to be coming off the root system if it's that close to the trunk. And you just don't really think of the Alberta dwarf, Alberta spruce. But the fact that they are dwarf, maybe that is a grafted tree. And I just, you know, I'm a little bit off sync or out of sync as far as thinking it's a grafted tree. And then email it to you or something, you know. Right. Um, yeah. In fact, it's it's taken over the Alberta spruce. Tell you, it's got truth. Ooh. Well, if your if your Alberta spruce are healthy and you want to keep them, I'd cut that other thing off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll take a picture, or if you're in, if you're around North County, sometimes stop by. I'll I'll show it to you. Yeah. Or you can just email it to me. <laughs> would I have to? Would it be four hundred bucks if you come by and take a look at it? <laughs> 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 no, I'm teasing you. Anyway, all right, yeah, I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you. Be- okay. Because it's kind of strange, you know. So. Right. All right. Have Thanks, a good George. Day. Yeah. Thanks, that, yeah, I just, you know, I know Alberta, dwarf Alberta spruce. The Alberta spruce are really from Alberta, Canada. Now, there are certainly bigger trees there because I've been to Alberta, Canada, and I've seen the trees in their native habitat up in the mountains and everything else. So maybe the dwarf is a grafted tree, and I just didn't realize that it, it, that is the case. And so this is coming off the root system of the grafted plant. So the above-ground growth, below-ground growth are two different plants. So anyway, good luck, George, and uh, 
314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Kevin Wheeler here. Join me weeknights at 6 for the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. We've got everything in sports covered for you, but of course we're going to be on top of the Cardinals. All the latest and best information for you right here on your home for the Cardinals, KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open. Let's head over to Mary's yard right now, though. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. I have a Christmas cactus that uh, bloomed when I first was in bloom when I bought it about three years ago, but it has never bloomed since. I wonder how can I encourage blooms on it. Uh, Christmas cactus are one of those kind of iffy things. Cactus just in general. But it's you know somewhat of a difficult circumstance. Make sure that it's in a nice bright window. Make sure that you don't let it go too dry, and also that you fertilize it with a cactus fertilizer. And then you know kind of keep your fingers crossed. That's not a guarantee that you're going to get it to bloom, but that's going to give you the best chances. Okay, thank you. Right. So in other words, it doesn't want to go too dry, but it doesn't want to be too soggy either. And that fertilizer will help. So, in other words, when you bought it, it had been freshly fertilized by the growers, and that's triggered the growth. Also, the amount of light it was getting, so it's got to be in a really bright window. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Bunny's yard. Hi, Bunny. Hi, Mike. Hi. I've got a question about, I have peonies, and of course, now they were just beat to death with the storms. So when should I cut the plant back? Uh, leave the foliage. You you know, if the flower is looking bad, you know, it got a bunch of petals knocked off of it and everything else, cut the flower, but leave the foliage. Because okay. the foliage, again, is what builds up the root system for, you know, flowering next year. That's where the food is made. So if you cut the stems down in the ground, you're just going to weaken the plant in general. 
Great. So when do I cut the whole thing down? Uh, basically, when the foliage starts turning brownish. Oh, then it could cut it down. Right. Okay. So that's going to hey, be problem. I have another question about I've got a holly bush that's going crazy. Can I prune that or not? No, not this time of year. You know, the, again, it's just going to leave some, potentially get some sunburn on the remaining foliage. So leave just wait long. until we come, we're coming out of wintertime, sometime between Valentine's Day and the Ides of March before the new growth begins. That's when broadleaf evergreens should be pruned. And except for broadleaf evergreens that you're growing for flowers like azaleas and rhododendrons and things like that. So just okay. be cautious about that. Well, thank you so much for being on my show. <laughs> thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> thank you very much. Sure. And then again, all broadleaf evergreens want to be, you know, they all want to have an acidic food. So an acid-based fertilizer is really crucial. And it's especially important if they're close you know, to your house foundation or concrete sidewalks or concrete driveways or things like that. Those things all leach alkalinity into the ground, so you may have to do some additional, especially if you start to see the you know the foliage discoloring, uh, getting some iron sulfate to you know compensate for the leaching of the alkalinity from any other you know structural quality. Can I prune that or not? No, not okay. Thank you. Sure. And Julia, how are you? How are you? I'm fine. I have a dogwood tree that's about 25 years old, and I have one limb on it that looks like it's dead. It had no flowers this year. It has no leaves. What do I do with it? You can go ahead and cut that off. And, okay. You know, cut it off, whatever it's connected to, whether it's the trunk or another larger yes. branch, and just leave about a quarter-inch stub. That's all. Oh. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, cutting off dead, you know, you know, dead material from plants. You can do that any time of year. It's when I I'm talking about cutting things that are viable and have leaves on them and everything else. And just one question: Is your dogwood still in flower? Uh no. no. I think it's leafed. It's leafed out except for that one branch. Okay. Because it I never was, did do anything. It never did flower. It never did, uh, and it has always, always done it, except this year. That's kind of surprising because this year was the most spectacular year for dogwoods, and I'm still beautiful. Yeah, I have a pink one right beside it, and it was gorgeous. Wow, that's kind of interesting. So, uh, but it's okay then to trim that dead branch off. Yes, it is. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. Yep, and uh, fertilizing too. The dogwoods want an acidic, you know, fertilizer. So may, you know, doing some augering of holes and putting some acid, you know, acidic type fertilizer, not a whole lot, but just a little bit to try to compensate. And uh, maybe that would, you know, will help next year because it's surprising. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Almost had tears. (laughs) (laughs) I understand why. Well, thanks, Julia. Thank you. Yep. Bye. And I'll tell you, I mean, I'm still seeing some of the dogwoods in flower. Now, there's also a Kusa dogwood, which is a Japanese version, which blooms later than our native dogwood. And the difference between how you can tell a Kusa dogwood from a native dogwood or native hybrid is by the fact that the Kusa dogwood, the white petals are pointed as opposed to rounded off. So the native or the native hybrids or varieties 
the petal, white petals are all rounded or pink or whatever, but the kusa are pointed. So now let's head over to Dorothy's yard. Hi, Dorothy. Yes, I have a, a rhododendron, and it's six feet tall and probably three feet wide, right. and it was full of blossoms. And I want to know, do I trim that back after it's finished blooming, and what type of fertilizer to use on it? Basically, don't prune it. If you've got one that looks that good, I mean, you know how the rhododendrons are. They have only a few leaves on each of the stems or twigs. And so you start cutting, then you're, again, reducing the leaf count, and those leaves make food for the future, for flower bud set and for, you know, just the overall health of the plant, the root system, and everything else. So just leave it alone. And uh, consequently, fertilizing, you want to use an acid fertilizer, so like mere acid or something along that line. Okay. Well, thank you. Yep. And in the future, fertilizing, when the, you know, just prior to the flower buds opening, fertilize it then, then fertilize it 30 days later, and then a, a final time basically right now after it finishes flowering. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. And now let's go over to Denny's yard. Hi, Denny. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, I had a uh, above ground container built uh, two foot wide, two foot tall, eight foot long. Uh, filled it with topsoil soil and mixed in uh, potting soil and planted some tomatoes in it. It's in full sun when the sun shines. <laughs> uh, but um, the tomato plants are turning yellow, and I assume it's getting too much water. Is there something I can do about that? Should I? dig them up and take them inside for a while or no don't dig them up and take them inside but just this the mixture that you put in this planting area you know that you have them in this raised bed is not a really good one because Mm. that would be my guess and it may be just variety wise as much as anything else have you grown these varieties of tomatoes before no i haven't one of them is a yellow pear tomato and i haven't done that one before now the pepper plants are doing really good um you know, the red bell peppers and the uh, banana peppers, but the, the two tomato plants just aren't doing good at all. They're just kind of yellow. Okay, I would say then it's probably related to the variety of tomatoes. If you've got other plants in this exact soil circumstance that are not doing well, that uh, the, the tomatoes need to be replaced just kind of a, would be my recommendation. Okay, okay. That's what I need to know. Great. Yeah, and it's, you know, I mean, this is a little bit early for, you know, the tomatoes to be showing too much, but in reality, they should not be turning yellow, and especially if you've got cousins growing in the same raised bed circumstance that are doing really good. So these, it's just variety-wise as much as anything. I've got a uh, uh, green bell pepper out there that's almost ready to eat. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. It's bigger than a golf ball. So. Yeah. Well, good. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Enjoy sure. your show. My pleasure. And if you do have questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is a transitional point between 
annual weeds. We've got the cool season annual weeds that actually germinated last August. They've been growing all this time and really producing lots of flowers and dropping lots of seeds. But they're starting to just the heat, the weather, the length of the daylight and everything else is starting to send them downhill. So this is like henbit, chickweed, annual bluegrass, uh, prickly lettuce, Persian speedwell. Those are the ones that are starting to disappear. But at that same time, the warm season ones, they germinated back when the forsythia was in bloom. Things like spurge. I'm starting to see spurge in my yard. Spurge is really flat on the ground, kind of an oval-shaped leaf, and, I mean, really tiny this time of year. But if you pull the stem apart, you're going to see some white sap. The white sap means that they are actually cousins to the poinsettia, which doesn't mean anything. It's still a stupid weed. There's ragweed, purslane, knotweed, and this is when all the crabgrass, barnyard grass, and all the grasses will just drive you nuts. So it's at that transition point from one to the other, and there's not too much you can do about it now. I mean, you can go ahead and go after them with like a weed be gone because these are, except for the grasses, you've got to go after them with a grass killer. And so just realize that. And speaking of grasses, a lady called last week, and she said she had a clump of grass in her yard that was sending up uh, basically flowers. And I said, well, that's probably annual bluegrass. But then when I was thinking about it later on in the day, she may have a clump of zoysia in her yard because a zoysia right now is sending up basically seeds, flowers. And so even though you don't think of zoysia being flowering, it is, but they're kind of nondescript, but it will look kind of fuzzy above the zoysia plants. My zoysia in my yard is, you know, is doing exactly what she described. So last Saturday, I told her it's probably annual bluegrass, and I was probably wrong. It's probably she, because she said it's in a clump, and so she, some way she got some zoysia in her yard. And birds use the zoysia for nesting and things like that, so a bird could have just dropped some, and it took off from that standpoint. So let's head over to Carol's yard now. Hi, Carol. Uh, yes, Mike. I have uh, some azaleas that just finished blooming, and I have some hydrangeas. And that, of course, are just, you know, leafing out now. Do, both of those need to be fertilized, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. When uh, should I do the azaleas now? Or do, it, do both of them now, or when should I do that? You, should, you can do them both right now. And with the azaleas, okay. you can do them again when they're in flower and right before the flower buds, you know, are opening, too. So three different fertilizings for, for the azaleas slash rhododendrons. And with the hydrangea, uh-huh. the same type thing. Okay. All right. Well, the hydrangeas are looking good and the uh, leafing out and the azaleas were beautiful. So I want to keep them going. Yeah. So thank you for your information. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. So again, an acid-based fertilizer, but this year I've never seen azaleas look this good. When I worked at the botanical garden, you know, it was a while ago, it was 77 to 81 or close to 82. But anyway, in the Woodland Garden, we had all kinds of azaleas. I never saw them look as spectacular as they have this year. I mean, people's yards, it was just when you drove by when they had azaleas, it was hard not to turn your head and just like go, wow. It was just, this has been one of the best springs I can I can remember. So anyway, 
Fertilizing will certainly help. It doesn't guarantee you're going to get the same kind of flowering next year, but at least it'll keep the plants as healthy as possible. So thanks, Carol. And now let's head over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, what will seem like a, a strange question. Uh, Euonymus is taking over my three acres. Uh, I know how uh, invasive it is, but if you put Roundup on a piece of how far back in it does it travel? Basically, it goes from the leaf through the stem down into the root system. Well, in other words, you know how much uh, vines they have. Right. Uh, so if I spray it somewhere on it, it will travel back to the root? Yes. And, you know, if you've oh. got big, long stems of it, you know, invasiveness, I, when I owned a home in Webster, I had some in the far p- part of the backyard along a creek to help stabilize the creek. But it started creeping up out of the creek bank. And so then, I mean, some of the, uh, the stems were 8 to 10 feet long. But I just sprayed, you know, s- several applications oh. of the Roundup. Oh, okay. It'll travel back that far. I mean, it's it, it's just everywhere in the three acres. Right. I, most invasive stuff I've ever seen. <laughs> it uh, is. Okay. Well, that's that's good to know because I'm tired of trying to clip it off and pull it out. And oh yeah, you can't do more. that. I mean, you'll kill yourself yeah. mentally and physically both. Okay. That's good. Thank yep. you very much. So, again, it's going to take multiple applications over several years. You're not going to get rid of it with just one application. So just understand that as well. Shabir, how are you today? Yes. Hey, uh, good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Hey, I have a question. Uh, what kind of grass uh, uh, or something you recommend, uh, even if it's a weed, to hold down the water, you know, the water coming through the steep hills. So do you have any ground cover that you uh, recommend? Uh, you, you don't want lawn, do you? Uh, no, it's it's on the hill. So it's not the lawn. It's just we need something up towards the hill so that it holds down the water. Okay. Basically, the, the lady that was just talking about the Uwanimus, she has that as a great ground cover for stabilizing a hillside. So go to your what favorite. What is it again? Uwanimus, E-U-O-N-Y-M-U-S. And it's a ground cover type Uwanimus. There's lots of different Uwanimuses. So go to your favorite garden center or look online for Uwanimus ground cover. And that will, Fortunii is actually the species. But uh, Uwanimus, that's a good, it's an evergreen ground cover, and it helps stabilize the soil. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, and again, it's going to take a, you know, if it's a steep slope, you're going to have to plant a lot of it. And uh, so it's going to be a lot of work to get the whole hillside stabilized. So good luck with that. And now, let's see, Don, can you do it kind of quick? Yes, I was wondering, when should I trim my lilac bushes? Uh, anytime, really. I mean, they finish flowering, but I really don't like to prune going into, you know, into summertime. I would say they've probably finished flowering several weeks ago, but if you want to go ahead and prune them now, I wouldn't do severe pruning on them. If you have a whole bunch of stems coming up, maybe cut back some of the stems, but don't cut them all back because it's going to potentially because the way lilacs grow foliage, they only have foliage near the top. They don't have any foliage, you know, close to the ground usually. 
And then I should uh, finish trimming them back in the fall then? Well, just no, don't prune in the fall because then you're cutting off the flower buds for the following year. You're just going to have to do a sequence of, you know, over a couple years after they finish flowering to prune. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And that's going to be the last call for this hour. If you do have questions or concerns for the next hour, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The annuals, the cool season annuals of pansies, I have several pots of pansies that are still really looking good. And I do have some pots that, uh, you know, the heat kind of got them. So it's that transitional point that the cool season ones – the pansies and the toad flaxes are kind of heading downhill. And then consequently, but all the other ones that are out there, all the begonias and geraniums and who knows whatever else there is out there, it's just unbelievable how striking they're going to be in another couple of weeks, even if you're buying small ones right now. So if you do have questions or concerns, give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it's the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. Mr. Kelly, I want to blow my own horn. Oh, really? Yes, tomorrow is our eighth anniversary. Of our wedding at Hilton Head. Oh, really? Yeah, Tracy and I. We'd been together for multiple years before that, but we decided to head out to North Carolina, Hilton Head, and get married on the beach. Outstanding. So, So, eighth anniversary, huh? Yes, tomorrow. Well, congratulations. Well, thanks. Yeah. You know, it's kind of amazing, you know, how time flies. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) you look back and we look at the pictures from uh, Hilton Head and everything else, and then we didn't go on our honeymoon right after that, mm-hmm. but we went a couple months later. We went to Crete. Oh, nice. Yeah, so. Outstanding. Yeah. Well, congratulations. You should toot your own horn on that. <laughs> Have any big plans for the anniversary? Well, actually, we're going to uh, that Beyond Van Gogh. Oh, really? We've been to it already once, but uh-huh. we had, didn't take any pictures the first time. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a camera tomorrow, and then we're going to go out to have dinner after that. Outstanding. Well, congratulations to you, two. That's awesome. Well, thanks. You bet. <laughs> yes, folks. And by the way, thanks to you for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, cares for, ups and downs, and all around to annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, 
lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly for offer, offered for you to consider. And across the big board, there's James. He answers the phone and pushes all the buttons. So when you call, he will be the one that answers. And uh, during the week, I do landscape consultations and on weekends, too. This week, I'm taking the weekend off as far as uh, any kind of consultations. But I call them a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. And there's my email address and phone number where you can contact me and we'll schedule a time. And I'll come over and spend, share 40-plus years' experience related to landscape design, plants, care, and maintenance. Tip of the trowel is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trials today is just all the people that did extra work storm-related with all this kind of crazy stuff with trees down and everything else. Oh, man. So a tip of the trial goes out to all the workers, whether they're related to emergency, police, fire departments, or Ameren people or anyone else. I know the Ameren people are still working to try to catch up on this whole thing. So tip of the trial goes out to all the people doing the extra work during this time. And, uh, I mean, the sky's getting darker and darker, so I don't know how much more rain we're going to get today, but it looks like there's going to be a considerable amount again. So these guys have, you know, and women have probably are somewhat exhausted from trying to catch up with everything. But uh, it just shows you the dedication they have. So a tip of the trial goes out to any and everybody that did anything, did anything related to that s- storm that we just had. So let's go now and do a couple phone calls before break. Let's go to Guy's yard. Hi, Guy. Good morning. Good morning. Um, got a question. We've done some recent construction, and so uh, there's still some kind of patchy area, dirt areas. Uh, what uh, I have plenty of good topsoil to put down. What kind of grass seed? I know it's probably too late for cool season grasses, but. Uh, I want to know what kind of suggestion you might have for a, a grass seed. Well, basically, you know, just make sure that you blend in this topsoil with the existing soil that's there. So don't just lay the topsoil on top of the existing area before you put the seed down. So it's got to be mixed in to get a good blend, you know, with the existing soil, you know, which is sub-construction or whatever, subterranean, and, uh, you know, the the topsoil that you have. And then probably I would just go ahead and, you know, put the grass seed down. You know, I mean, if you want a cool season lawn, just go ahead and put it down. It may not, you know, really do great, but it will get, hopefully, its root system established and be able to make it through the summer. Other than that, there's an annual rye that you could use to help just give you a quick cover and then wait until September to put the, you know, the bluegrass seed down or the fescue, whatever you happen to choose. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Yep. So, again, annual rye for a temporary cover, and then you'll overcompensate that with uh, you know, putting the regular grass seed or sod down in September. Okay. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Paul's yard. Hi, Paul. Hi. How are you doing today? Very good. Hey, um, in my garden, I am having a real problem with, I think it's uh, that yellow sage grass that pops up, the real bright green uh, grass. Is there a 
product I can put down in my garden to kill that or other weeds and not harm my vegetables. Basically, what happens is that's nutsedge, and there is a, an herbicide that will kill the nutsedge and won't damage other plant materials. So go to your favorite garden center, tell them you have nutsedge, and they should have a spray for nutsedge, and it will only go after that. But it's going to take multiple applications over a period of time because that stuff is horribly aggressive. Yes, it is. All right, thank you so much. Happy anniversary. Well, thank you. And let's get one more call before break. Let's go over to Sam's yard. Hi, Sam. Hey, hey, good morning. And thanks for saying something about marriage, man. We need a little bit more of that good <laughs> stuff. Um, on the, uh, the gentleman that called in earlier about his uh, pepper plant, like that thing is already starting to flower and produce fruit. I would suggest, and I've learned for the last couple of years, you pick that off. And because all the energy is going up to the top of that plant, and it's telling that plant it's done its job. And so if he wants more fruit, I, mean, I pretty much prune all my peppers, hot peppers, uh, sweet peppers. At the top, I pick them, and then it just produces more fruit. And right. same thing with my bush beans and melting and all that. I called you last year about a grape tree that I have in a five-gallon container. Uh-huh. Well, in the, in the last two months, this thing is like, going nuts. One, I'm afraid to transfer it because I don't want it to die. This, this, is my, this is my jewel. I want this thing to produce fruit. And I know it's not going to do it this year, but I'm trying to figure out how to keep it alive. Well, obviously, whatever you've done historically for the last year has worked very well. So I would just go ahead and you know, make it so it makes it through the summertime and then do the you know, planting in the fall into the ground. Yeah. And if you can remember one last thing, can you remember what uh, uh, ingredients the guy said he had the uh, raised bed? He had something in there that said, no, you shouldn't use that one. It yeah. wasn't compost. It, you don't remember? No, I don't remember what it was, actually, to be honest. Oh, okay, okay. Thanks, man. Yeah, enjoy yourself and continue to lead by precept and example when it comes to marriage. Good job. <laughs> well, thank you. Enjoy yourself Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Talk Sports, the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. A reminder, if you're growing mums and you want to have them nice and bushy like the ones that you see in the garden centers in the fall, you should start pinching them back. Once your mum starts getting about... Uh, Six inches, you want to pinch two inches off. And so you just keep doing that. Every time it gets two inches longer, you know, 10 to 12, then you pinch a couple inches off. So you got to make them bushy. They don't happen or it doesn't happen on its own. So let's head over to Milt's yard. Hi, Milt. Hi. Hi. Mike. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, this is Milt. And uh, I've got a, a 30-foot pear tree with about a 15-inch trunk. And uh, I've got a, a four-foot di diameter mulch bed around the base of it. I continue to get uh, saplings and weeds up in that uh, mulch bed. Uh, is it okay to put some uh, uh, some weed be gone onto it or a uh, any kind of a grass killer? Yes. And it, not it is. Yeah, there's no problem doing that at all. Oh, okay. I just didn't want to affect the uh, the tree. Yeah, no, you're not going to affect the tree. So 
basically uh, just good luck with that because if you've got one that's that big, that means there's yeah. multiple trunks and they're probably the narrowness of the the trunks, the angle in between each one. That's why a lot of them have you know the potential for being damaged by storms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been blessed so far. Right. Thank you very much, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And uh, over the years, I've actually known people or talked to people or you know, recommended to people to get a tree service out, and actually they've cabled their trunks together to prevent that splitting from happening. So good luck, Milt, and now let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, good morning. I was wondering, uh, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you, uh, we live in a home, we have a walkout basement, and our neighbors are right next to us. We're kind of at the bottom of the subdivision, and we are getting <clears throat> just recently our neighbor had their um, gutters they had put corrugated piping to take the water away from their house and i'm thinking that there's a problem with it's just the topography of the land has changed with trees and stuff over the year so the yards aren't really emptying out making it all the way over to the uh, manhole to get the water out of the yard and i'm wondering <clears throat> we were talking about it we thought, you know, they, so I had City of Wolf come out, and they and they made some suggestions and such, um, like tying our corrugated pipes together uh, or getting, like, an underground French drain. But, but the, you know, our, our soil is clay out here. So if we get a gusher like today, the ground can kind of raise up, like, 18 inches. It's really weird because the water doesn't absorb, I guess. Or the ground isn't absorbing as much. So it's really, a, and it lasts until it rains. Sometimes this happens. But what I'm wondering, we're thinking we're going to do a rain garden. And I was wondering, because you could go in our yard now, yesterday, and step, and it's just squishy wet. Right. And uh, so I'm wondering, what are the best bushes and Missouri natives that we can plant to try to soak up some of this water to do it kind of naturally? Uh, ba- uh, two major shrubs that you could use. I'm assuming you don't want any kind of trees or anything. Well, I I, 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 cur- we've, I currently have uh, two river birches and bald cypresses in my backyard. Okay, so then you could... So the people knew that, the people before we bought the house, I think they knew they needed us to, you know, help right. suck up the water. So two different shrubs. One is inkberry, which is a broadleaf evergreen. It's native to the Missouri swamp berries. It's in the holly family, and its name is inkberry because the berries are not red, but they're black. So inkberry can take a wet soil. And then look at the red twig dogwood. So that's dogwood shrubs that have red twigs, red branches, and it's a shrub. But if you get the variegated one, the contrast of those two together, you know, make a nice contrast because the variegated will have pale white and pale green huh. leaves. Well, these bushes, are they like about the size of a boxwood, or how, how big do they get? Well, I mean, the inkberry over time, it could get, uh, f- you know, five five to six feet, and uh, okay. the variegated red twig dogwood could even get a little bit, maybe not quite as tall, but much broader than the, the inkberry. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Sure. And then if you wanted to have, uh, you know, kind of, I don't know how, if you want a ground cover, maybe uh, look at some of the liriopes and see if uh, you might think about that because uh, it sounds like this is really a super wet area. Oh, it's super wet. And it seems like it's just got worse since these people adjusted their, I think the corrugated pipe might have, you know, a slit or something that it's not 
getting the water out, but we are on the downhill slope of things. Too, yeah, so. I mean, it's shooting the water at you, I'm assuming, because of the stormwater intakes, you know, across your property. That's where all the water is basically heading for. Yeah, which is really interesting because I had O'Fallon give me the schematics of the calculations for the water on how it's supposed to go into the various storm drains. And every angle is shown uh, of uh, the arrows of how the water is getting to the storm drains, except from our houses going straight back. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, how do you how do you go and figure out if their calculations were wrong 20 years ago? You know, right. And uh, so anyhow, that's a, well. I sincerely appreciate your help. Can I ask you one other quick question? Sure. Um, okay, so we we lived in Overland, and I grew up. Um, this house had these azaleas that were probably about 85 years old, mm. huge, 12 feet high. I'm not exaggerating, 10 feet long, purple, lavender, and beautiful fuchsia. And about 15 years ago, a really young couple bought the house out of season. He, the first thing they did was they winched these azaleas out. Okay, oh. and my husband, my husband, I had grown up on the streets. So my husband, being the good husband he is went over and got what was left of one, which weighed about the root ball, about 150 pounds. Whoa. And we, plant, oh, yeah, we planted it in the yard. Now we want to move it again um, to, our, to our new house. And I'm just wondering, if you, at what time of year should we do that? Because last time we just did it in the middle of August, and it took. And uh, just wondering if we should wait or if we should get it out now. No, don't do it now because moving okay. it and then the heat of the summertime can set it... <laughs> But basically, okay. wait. If you can wait until September, that's the ideal time to move it because the ground is going to be warm. That will help the root system get reestablished, and then it gets to go to sleep for the winter time. Perfect. Yeah, I, I suspect that these houses, our house, is 100 years old, so I suspect this was plant. These were planted like right initially when the houses were built. Right. So it's really cool. It's a beautiful. Azalea. I mean, right. so many people, so many people remark on the color. It's so unique. So, I thank you very much, sure, and you have a great pleasure. anniversary. Yep. Well, thank you. And now let's Bye-bye. head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Okay. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Mm-hmm. I want to remove some mums, and what I want to do is uh, then put some weed barrier down the paper, and then cut holes where I'm going to put the knockout roses in, and then put mulch over that. Am I okay for do that? You mean you're going to do it right now? Yeah, it might be a little bit late in the season, but i got to let things dry out a little bit first. I want right. to do that like another week or so. Right. So once the ground gets dry, then you can go ahead and do it. And just realize the weed barrier helps. It prevents weeds from coming up that are, you know, basically either perennial weeds with root systems or weed seeds from underneath. But you can still get weeds blowing in, weed seeds, so it's not going to eliminate the, all the, the potential for weed problems in the future. So just be realistic. Okay, I thought I might have problems with his mum's been in there for several years, and uh, but I want to remove them and transplant them and then put, like I said, the barrier down and put knockout roses right. in. So I should be good to go for that then. Yep, you should be okay. It's going to be, you know, still iffy on moving, you know, moving the mums and, you know, planting anything because who knows what the weather's going to be like, right. how severe it's going to be. Okay. Hey, happy wedding anniversary, and my granddaughter's getting married today also. Oh, well, great. Well, thanks. Hey, you take care, and thank you for your service. Yep, stay and, healthy, please. Yeah, and uh, certainly a g- happy marriage to her. And let's see, one more call before break. Let's go over to Don Jard. Hi, Don. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Um, last September, uh, I had a landscape company 
uh, plant 12 um, centennial hollies. They were about four foot tall. And two of them um, apparently had some problems, and they, they just dropped their leaves in the spring. And I was wondering, when is the best time to replace them? I didn't want to put them in now if, if you know, it's going to be a hard time you know, getting them to take. Right. Should I wait till next September again or? Yeah, you should. September is by far the best, you know, best period of time, basically from mid to late August, but probably towards late August, let's say Labor Day up until about uh, Halloween. That's the most, the best time to do any kind of plant installation. And um, for trimming them hollies, uh, when is the best time? I mean, I'm not even near getting ready to, but right. when is the best time to, to trim them? Uh, it all depends on what you're growing them for. Are you just growing them for the foliage? Are you growing them for the fruit? Are you growing for the flower? Or what are you growing them for? Uh, for the foliage. Okay, so uh, coming out of wintertime, sometime after Valentine's Day before mid-March. Oh, okay. That'll work then. Well, thank you very much for taking my call. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KM Watch Garden Hotline. You have questions or concerns? We've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Find out what's happening with your Redbirds from the manager himself, Oliver Marmel. Sundays at 1015 on Sports Open Line and Wednesdays at 822 a.m. The Ollie Marmel Show. I'm excited for not only the club, but for the fans. This is a, this is a special year for sure. Sponsored by Suburban Leisure Center on KMOX. That's one of my favorite songs. Let's go now over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good. How are you, Mike? Very good. Hey, I just had a question. I have a large uh, cathedral window in the front of my house, and I was thinking about uh, putting in a red twig dogwood. Would that uh, look nice in front of the the large window? Oh, sure. Yeah, and especially... And then... And I would, you know... I'm sorry. I don't know... what kind of uh, siding? Are you brick? Are you, you know, regular siding? It's brick. Okay, so it's probably dark brick, or is it tan? It's tan. Okay, so that's fine, though. But probably what I'd do is I'd get the variegated variety of the red twig dogwood. So in other what, words, what does that mean, variegated? Variegated means that the leaf, rather than just being green, is going to be pale green and, and kind of a lightish white in that pale green. So just look, you know, you can look oh. online to see the difference in the foliage because, I mean, the red twigs are great in the wintertime because that's when all the foliage has fallen off. But during the summertime when the leaves are on it, then you get the sort of it looks like a cloud sitting on the ground if you use a variegated Okay. One. Okay. And under it, I was thinking about putting some boxwoods or some yuccas. Would that, would that look nicer? No, there's not going to be... You know, this is a shrub, so this has all kinds of twigs coming up out of the ground. This is not a dogwood tree. This is a dogwood shrub. Okay. So okay. With a, okay. you know, basically with about six, you know, six feet plus, and then the height about four to six feet. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to Julia's yard. Hi, Julia. Hi, Mike. Happy anniversary, hon. Thank you. Um I waited too long to call you on this, but I have got, I have a nice lawn, but I have got this, um, it looks like a grass with the white 
little things on the end of it, flowers, I guess, that's ta- overtaking my yard, and I don't know what it is. And I was wondering if maybe you knew what it was. So is what kind of lawn do you have? Do you have a bluegrass lawn, a fescue lawn? Fescue. Fescue. Mixture, yeah. Yeah. So, Well, it could be two different things. There's an annual bluegrass, which has the, the, the flowering-looking things. This time of year, it's just about ready to head downhill because it's a cool-season annual weed. But you may have some zoysia sprigs in there because the zoysia grass is doing this very same thing right now. So oh. I would, you know, I would go out and dig up a little plot of it with the grass, you know, with the seed and with the grass blades, and maybe take it to your favorite garden center and have them take a look at it, and they can tell you what it is. If it's okay. just sort of a roundish clump by itself, then it's going to be that annual bluegrass. If it's kind of like a a mad matted area then it's going to be probably the zoysia. Well, I think it's more like an, um, uh, a clump yeah. of some kind. It's, but, it, you know, it, excuse me, it's not, um, it, it's a, got a light, thin leaf on it. And, um, well, I don't like it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> May I ask you another question? Sure. I planted some uh, wine and rose bushes uh behind my uh, sunroom, and I, I took some uh, some old ones out that, that were getting too woody and stuff, and I don't know what I did wrong. I, I, probably, I didn't plant them that close to the house, knowing that they're going to get bigger. Right. But I get, I've got a lot of dirt on it, but obviously not enough dirt, because every time it rains, it gets flooded back there. Is that going to, I mean, you know, it, it goes away, but I mean, it fills up with water. So your roses are growing in an area that water sits even for just one day? Well, yeah, whenever the rain's hard like we've been having, uh, that's what happens. It sits in the water. Yeah, that's not a good, you know, that's not good for the roses. They don't really like that kind of circumstance. So, I mean, basically it could cause some rot of the, you know, for your roses or the root system. Mm. So should I just move it farther out towards the grass? Yeah, I mean, get it to and make sure that, you know, maybe raise the bed space up a little bit so it's higher than the surrounding ground. So when it does get really wet, at least the crown of the rose won't be sort of, let's say, in the water. Okay. Okay, I thought I did put more, I put more dirt in. I put, what? Three bags again on it yet the other day, and uh, it's probably and but then with all this rain, hard rain, right? Uh, it just gets it goes away, but it just gets water, and I don't want to. Yeah, and then piling you know, piling soil up on top of the root system is not really to the advantage of the roses either. They like to be elevated higher than the surrounding ground. Okay. All right. Well, you've answered my question. I'll have to dig them up, I guess, and replant them. Right. But, uh, I mean, doing it this time of year is going to be a little bit tough and a little iffy. So you might just, you know, keep your fingers crossed that they're going to be able to survive and then consider to do it uh, sometime in September. Okay. Well, will will they survive the wet? Well, I mean, uh, that's what I said. Keep your fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I can do that, I think. (laughs) Well, so, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. If you okay. you know, if you're a little bit desperate, you can go ahead and do it uh, 
now, but uh, ideally, this is not the best time to you know transplant anything. Okay. Oh shoot. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Sure. And now let's head over to uh, Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Listen, um, I decided to take a break. I was outside cleaning up my uh, my Bradford pear that took a hit this morning in the storm. Twenty-three-year-old Bradford pear, two big, two big limbs came off of it. Woo. What I was wondering, I said, I'm gonna call Mike and see what he thinks. Um, uh, I'm gonna need somebody to clean it up. So I went to the Missouri Botanical Garden website. They have a list of arborists. Mm-hmm. So I was gonna email them pictures and say, give me an estimate, and then give me an estimate how much to take down the Bradford pear and the stump. Right. Right. Okay. I can do that. Then what do I replace it with? Because that's a beautiful tree. Basically, I mean, right in that exact spot, you're not going to be able to replace it with anything right there because even when they grind out the stump, there's still going to be viable root systems in close proximity. There's still going to be a lot of wood there. So you cannot, you're going to have to place it about uh, six or eight feet at least away from where the, the Bradford pear is. And then as far as, you know, did you ask me what would be a, a type of replacement tree? Sure. I mean, you could I, think about the crab apples. You could think about the, you know, the kusa dogwood. You know, that's both those things are going to give you flowers at, you know, different times of the year. There's a tree called serviceberry, which is native to Missouri, which has white flowers in the springtime before the dogwood. Then it gets uh, red berries on it, and then in the fall, the leaves turn bright red. Wow. So, but service berry tree versus service berry shrub. Okay, not the shrub. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay, that sounds good. So, so when I send my photos to these arborists, they'll understand what I'm what I'm looking for. I would assume so, and they may just want to come out and take a look at it, you know, themselves too. Yeah, they're going to be busy, though. Okay. <laughs> you are kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for the information. Yep. And, you know, certainly consider uh, Timberline. That's uh, a very good tree service, too. Ch- t- Timberline Care. And uh, get, send some of the stuff to them, too. And uh, thanks, Joe. And now let's go over to Adam's yard. Hi, Adam. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. That's good. Uh, a couple things, and I'm glad to... You had the last caller right before me. A uh, couple things. I have a chainsaw, and I'm willing to work. Uh, I work two jobs and make trying to make ends meet. I work for MoDOT and also do security for many different events around town. Um, so I'm always willing to make money and work hard. And, uh, I mean, I don't work for you know, like what Timberline would charge or anything like that. But also, whenever he was talking about grinding the stumps out to plant new trees, my grandfather owned a uh, stump grinding business for many years. Mm -hmm. That was his retirement. And he always always paid me probably $2 an hour every time I went to help him. And he always said, most people don't get the root system out. But he did and he always got all the root system. Like he would go further out to get the root system, so you could plant something there. So it wouldn't be a conflict with planting other stuff. But uh, I just wanted to say that with all these storms and winds, that I I am for hire, and I won't charge 
more than, you know, minimal fees or anything like that. I mean, I'm not bonded, so I'm not going to cut them up a house or anything like that, but I can help cut up down trees and stuff like that. Well, thanks, Adam. Mm-hmm. Great. They appreciate it, and good luck with that. And uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. I'll tell you what, folks, this rain is going to probably cause a big surge of growth in your lawn. But remember, really wet lawn is not good to cut. And also, even if it wasn't wet, make sure that your mower blades are sharpened because a lot of times if your mower blades aren't sharpened, it more or less it cuts the blade, yes, of the lawn, but also it kind of tears it, rips it, and that just creates a scenario that is not good for your lawn just kind of in general. So let's head over to Norman's yard. Hi, Norman. Hi, Mike. Glad to take uh, you're taking my call. <clears throat> I got a question about uh, a juga. I had a pretty good growth of it last year, and I barely got any at all this year. A juga, if it's not really an extremely well-drained situation, is very prone to getting rot. So my guess is with all the rain that we had in the springtime, it just rotted it out. Okay. And another ground cover I want to ask you about, have you ever heard of Archangel? Archangel. Nope, I don't know that one. It's, uh, it's, got, it's got a green leaf, no flowers, and uh, it's, it's kind of silvery in the center of the leaf. But somebody told me it's called Archangel, hmm. but I don't know. Maybe there's another name for it. Yeah, that one doesn't ring a bell with me. Is it So is it evergreen, grows flat on the ground? Yes, right. Uh, my guess is probably a type of euonymus, if I was guessing without even seeing it. Okay. Now, there's also there's a ground cover, but, I mean, that sort of uh, stripe in the middle of the, the leaf, that's what made me think it was probably euonymus. I see. Okay, well, that's all I wanted to know then. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Brendan. Brendan, how are you? Good. How are you, sir? Very good. Hey, I have. I just pulled out um, my landscaping in front of my house. It's about a 30 by 4 foot, I would say, uh, run. And it gets full sun, and I have a little circle on the end of it where I want to put an anchor. I had a little jet maple there that didn't make it, pulled that out. But I'm looking for a tree that's you would suggest it's going to get full sun. I mean, uh, that obviously uh, putting a tree next to a house, that is, you know, always not the smartest option, but I wanted your opinion on a tree. And then I was thinking about doing some, uh, some knockouts for full sun as well, you know, across the front there. Um, and then my second question is, is like my, my garden down below just gets trampled with deer. So I'm thinking about doing a raised bed system kind of on a, on the deck. So um, just some suggestions on that. Uh, basically, your bed space seems a little bit too narrow to be planting anything along there, to be honest with you, for, okay. for future growth. So I'd you say it's four feet wide. I'd say increase it at least two more feet. And don't okay. put anything within a couple feet of the, you know, the foundation of the house. And as far as gotcha. a, tr- you know, a tree on the, the corner, do you want something that's flowering? Do you want something that's evergreen? Yeah, flowering would be is my first thought, and then evergreen would be a, would be okay as well. Yeah, I'd probably look at maybe some of the varieties of crab apples. 
because they're pretty tough. They're durable. They give you the, the flower, then they give you the fruit. Not a lot of great fall color, but even I t- talked to another co- uh, another caller earlier, and I recommended taking a look at the serviceberry tree for that kind of situation. Both of those are kind of understory-type trees, but again, push them further away from the house than what it sounds like they're, you know, the bed spaces exist. Sure. Serviceberry, you said? Yes, yeah, serviceberry. And use okay. get the tree, not the shrub. Get the tree, not the shrub. Okay, and then just look for crab apples that don't get too big. Right, exactly. Okay. All right, good luck with that. And now let's go over to Cynthia's yard. Hi, Cynthia. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have two questions. One is uh, I have some old, long story short, old pineys, and uh, I moved them a couple times. Well, I don't, didn't know that you couldn't bury them real deep, and uh, they got uh, covered with that shred stuff, you know, you put on to keep the weeds out. Yeah, mulch. And I dug them out, but I only got two. One has a bloom on it. And can I, uh, when do I dig them up to bring them up higher, closer to the surface? And um, anyway, um, or is it salvageable to do that? You, yes, I mean, you should do it as, basically, if you plant them too deep, if the eyes are too deep, what happens is you get the foliage many times, but no flower. So well, uh, No, they, they, they didn't even come up. Oh, because so I used to have a whole bunch. Yeah, so the, if the foliage didn't come up, they're dead. Uh-huh. So, okay. I mean, the one that's, but, has doing, that is doing some growth, then right. I would, ideally you should be doing that kind of earlier in the year. And But you could okay. go ahead and just leave it alone and then do it in, again. And September is the ideal month for transplanting or you know, installing any kind of new plant material as well. Right. And and do I fertilize them now or wait? Uh, if it's in flower, this is a good time to be fertilizing for sure. Okay. And and is it uh, something blood meal or something that I give them or not? Uh, you can give them that, but it's not necessary. It's not going to be, a, you know, a, a fertilizer that has all the nutrients that it may need. So you could add the blood meal to it if you'd like, but that don't use that and consider that just the fertilizer. Right. Okay. And and I have a rose bush that we had some work done around the house, you know, and the guy moved it. And um, can, when do, what kind of fertilizer, do, how often do you fertilize it and, and how much? Roses, I mean, not how just much, follow but, the label yeah. on the rose food, get a fertilizer specifically for roses, fertilize May, June, July, and August. Okay. Okay. Once a month. And then... Also, that gentleman that po- called in about the, the the grass seed, that what kind did you tell him to get There's for a, the a, hill? A, a temporary grass seed called annual rye, R-Y-E. Okay. It's a, just oh, a one-year okay. grass, and that was just to cover that spot until he could do the oh. the regular seeding in the fall. Oh, oh, okay. You know, do you have something that that's good? You know, because we got a couple size that need uh, you know their slope pretty good but and uh, yeah on uh, slopes grass seed is not going to be very i mean just to throw the grass seed out is probably not going to work for you i'd have you know uh-huh. a contractor come out and take a look at it okay 
Okay. Okay. And then I got one more question. Uh, we have this tree, two trees by our driveway, and it's got the some kind of oak tree, and they're perfectly shaped. But anyway, I think we got those bugs in there because it's like this year it's uh, just green on the top. Is there any way that maybe we could salvage it if somebody would come out and look at it or just cut it down? Yeah, I don't know if you have the galls or what you have. But yeah, get a tree no, service no. that you know a tree service to come out and take a look. Okay, okay, all right. Well, thank you very much. Sure. I'll probably be calling you back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and uh, Nick, could you do it really quick? Yeah, sorry. Thanks, Mike, for taking my call. Sure. Uh, we we uh, bought a house from a, a real green thumb out here in South County, and uh, me and my fiance are having a heck of a time. Uh, with this little dogwood that's growing next to a driveway um, and next to our deck. And it was beautiful for the first two years. It's uh, white with pink flowers, if that helps you which kind dogwood it would be. I mean, when it flowers, it gets those white pink ones. Um, But this year, it is like looks almost half dead, and and we really don't know why. And and I think her dad said something about dogwoods need lime sometimes. No, no, they do not need lime. They need acidity. So... Probably what it is is just all the extra rainfall that we've had this year early in the spring has probably drowned it. But definitely dogwoods do not need lime. They need acidity. No, never put lime on it. So, sorry, Nick, we got to take off. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.